Welcome to the Third City Christian Church Podcast. If you have a story about how God is working in your life, please let us know by sending an email to podcast at thirdcityc.org. Now here's Scott with today's message. I hope you're having a good Memorial weekend. And I know it's a time when we, you know, we should stop and honor and give thanks for, for people who have made the ultimate sacrifice so that we can enjoy the freedoms that we do as a nation Hope you'll take time to do that. And of course, it can also be kind of a difficult weekend for people who have grief and are still dealing with grief in their life in a deeper way. So I want to just pause and pray for for you. Lord, as we come together today, we come in hope. Uh, Our hope is in the Christ who was raised from the dead, who we celebrate in this place. And Lord, yet, yet so, we know that in this life, we face physical death and There's grief that comes with that. So as people go out in the various places they go or they pause to give thanks for those who have given their lives, those who have died, who we love, we pray, Lord, that your spirit will go with us. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. Well, I think you know this, but in virtually every part of our lives, there's an ideal and then there's a real. And I want to give you an example of that in my own life. And this is a confession of of mine. and, And so I struggle with my identity in this area. I really do has to do with the sin that I've really had to battle my whole life. I'm tempted to it every day. And I'm convinced that when I'm weak, it takes me off of my primary role as an image bearer of God. And I struggle with this issue emotionally and physically, spiritually. Uh, The temptations for this are everywhere, everywhere I look. On the screens that I view with the people that I do life with, my eyes... My heart are drawn toward the, the wrong side of this gift. And it is a gift, but it's a battle for me at times. The thing that gets me the most about this is it's so good. You know, like God said, here's something really good for you. And yet I can, I can make it not so good. When I fail, maybe you see it in me. It brings guilt. It brings anxiety, shame. And come with it. Sometimes I try to use humor to deflect it. I have tried to compare myself to others who maybe have it worse than I do in this, in this regard. Uh, that's an attempt for me to soothe my own self-image. That's all it is. I have sought advice from professionals uh, at times in my life who have tried to help me. But no matter how hard I've tried, I, I still struggle with this temptation. And um, God has a purpose for me in in my life, and and I'm I'm attuned to that. I am. I think that God wants my body to be the temple of the Holy Spirit, whole and healthy, able to serve him with with all my well-being. And I admit to you that I, I have an issue, I have a struggle, with my health, with food, with the consumption of food, and with eating. And I know I've already had it happen. Someone are going to come up to me afterwards and kind of make light of it. Man, you really had me there. I thought you were going to lay something down. It was going to just like, you know, like all the other preachers in the world that are, you know, telling us about, or they're not telling us, somebody else is telling us about their behavior, you know, or, you know, so I thought it was going to be a real bombshell or, you know, some of you might be snickering. You're going, that's it. <laughs> I was expecting something bigger than that. 
Maybe you're, you're muttering under your breath, I knew it, look at him. We know him. Obvious, duh. Maybe you're defensive now. You're like, <laughs> uh, he had to bring that up? <laughs> now, I'm trying not to be a food atheist. I used the term last week, sex atheist. I'm, not, I'm trying not to be a food atheist. A food atheist is a Christian who's trying to line up my spiritual life in about every other area but this one. I don't want to be that guy. Okay? My ongoing struggle affects my being an image bearer of God. And I want to be clear about this. Don't misunderstand anything I've said to this point. I am a transformational person. Jesus is changing my life as since the day that I said yes to Jesus. Last week I read Romans 12, verses 2 and following. And, and I just want to summarize what it says there, how he wants to change us. He wants our body to, to, not, to not be misused like the culture wants to use it. Okay, so he, he said this, remember Paul wrote that we don't want the world to drag us down to its level of immaturity, that God wants to bring the best out in me. He wants to develop a well-formed maturity in me, but I struggle. He has a preferred goal for my health, I believe this, and there's wins, there's losses, I take steps forward, I take steps backward. And here's what I think, and, and maybe, maybe I'm wrong, but I believe this will be a struggle till the end of my life, until I go home to be with Jesus. But I believe this. He's reclaiming me and restoring me. His mercy is new every day, and I'm going to keep trying every day to be different. There, I feel a whole lot better now. Not really. I just confessed before thousands of people on, on the Internet and some of you here. Uh, my Christian siblings are going, huh, huh, what? And yet, you're, you know this too, if you've been here, this is not really the issue we're addressing in this clarity series. This isn't it. We are considering the issues that we face with gender and sexuality, these true gifts that God has given us in his perfect and good plan that we can misuse, that can get ahead of us, that can take us off, off course. Now, last week in Genesis chapter 1 and 2, we laid out the poetic description on how God gave us this gift of physical intimacy. And I don't know, some of you are like me. You grew up kind of thinking that sex was bad, like that we shouldn't talk about our identity in this area, that, you know, we'll let everyone else talk about it. Like, we'll let the culture talk about it. We'll let our screens scream at us about it. We'll let every movie and show that's imaginable, that's on television, that's on the movie screen today, we'll let them talk about it. We'll let the, you know, the psychologists and the scientists and the politicians talk about it. We're not going to talk about the church. That's messed up. God created this gift. We got to talk about it. Now, last week I threw out this proposition, sexuality has a divine design, that we're going to talk about how God said, this is the way that it can be for you, this gift. He talked about how he created male and female, partners as image bearers on the planet, how God commissions men and women to eventually leave the home of their youth if they're so inclined. Not everybody gets married, but, but if you do, you unite as one flesh. That's the consummate act of of the, of the covenant that God has given us. 
Now, let me continue this, this two-parter with the second proposition, and that is this. Sex has a purpose. It has a clear purpose. And contrary to what the world tells us, it's not just for your self-gratification. Certainly, that's a part of it. It's not just, though, for your pleasure. Because when you just say it's just for my personal pleasure, then, of course, that opens the door to anything you want. That's not the way God gave the gift. So what is the purpose? Well, there's three primary purposes. The first is to consummate the marriage covenant between a male and female when they are husband and wife. It's kind of as clear as that. A fusion of physical, emotional, and spiritual health as a couple together as one flesh, the Scripture puts it. It's kind of like what happens when we witnessed a baptism earlier, how how that was a physical, you know, consummation of a, of a strong belief and a love that came together at that moment, a similar thing. Second purpose is it's kind of a no-brainer to produce families. It's like to propagate the human race, yes. Uh, I don't know, if, by the way, if God had to tell Adam twice on that one. It's like, hey, go make a human, okay. As often as I can, you know, he's a dude. Here's the third thing. Sex is a gift for our pleasure and enjoyment. Yes, it is. Most all species need to mate in order to give birth. I guess there's a python somewhere that it has virgin births. Other than that, virtually every other species, right? So nature shows us that God could have chosen other methods for us that have no pleasure involved. Like, for instance, that spider that bites its, its spouse and then promptly kills it and then devours it. I'm glad it's not that way for us. I mean, that's a bad, that's a bad look for the dudes, okay? No wisecracks, by the way. And, of course, there's scientific processes of artificial insemination that have come around that have been a blessing. So that, you know, that, that's something that science has done for us that's helped us to take what God intended to to area of blessing where it couldn't be so. But God created sex so we could enjoy the experience. Thank you, Lord. Now, virtually all the Hebrew words that describe sex, though, mean so much more than just the physical action. The words mean to know, to be known, to be deeply respected. That's what the word in the Hebrew means in the various versions of Hebrew language. It describes a bonding, not just physically, but emotionally, spiritually. And anytime God's word reminds us of his creative genius, it's, it's, it's to give us the best blessing that he can offer us. It's a gift. But as you know, we have been deceived to believe it's different than that. And that's why we are given warning labels. Warning labels. You, you know what those are, right? I have a hobby, and one of the tools that I really like to use in that hobby, I'm a, I like to do metal work, is a cutting torch. Okay, I think it's a lot of fun, by the way. I know it's, some of you are like, huh? But a cutting torch, is, a torch utilizes a mixture of oxygen and gas combined together that creates over 2,000 degrees of concentrated heat that cuts through iron plates, steel plates. 
the torch I use comes with a warning label. And among other things, it says, do not cut a container that is toxic, combustible, or flammable liquids in it because it could affect the health of your, and even cause death. Okay, I'm not doing that. But I need to be reminded because I can forget stuff. I use the gift safely. That leads to the third proposition that I want to make to you this morning. And that is that our culture, our world, wants to remove the sacred from our sexuality. And this is described in Genesis chapter 3. This is the first indication that this is the truth, even though it applies actually to another temptation, but it all works together. And so here's what it says in Genesis 3 verse 1. Now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals that the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, did God really say you must not eat from any tree in this massive garden? Not the way, I I added a word there. The woman said to the serpent, we may eat from the trees in the garden, but he did say you must not eat the fruit from the tree that's in the middle of the garden. You 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 don't even touch it because you will die. Oh, you won't, you won't certainly die, the servant said to the woman. For God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be open, and you'll be like God, knowing good from evil. Well, the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was, listen to the justification she makes. The tree was good for the food, for food, pleasing to the eye, and desirable for gaining wisdom, so she took some and ate it. She also gave some to her husband, and uh, he ate it. He was with her. Then... The eyes of both were open, and they realized they were naked, sewed fig leaves together, and made coverings for themselves. I'll unpack that for a few moments. First of all, remember how this all slid into deception? He said, the, the deceiver said, did God really say? And this is virtually the same technique he uses every day, day after day, in every human being's life. Did God really say that? Why would he say that? What is he talking about? What, the Bible was for then. Would he really say this and mean it today? The Bible's been interpreted and reinterpreted hundreds and thousands of times over the last thousands of years. How can you, you can't really trust the Bible, can you? Not in this area. Those who wrote the Bible didn't have the kind of science, technology, and development we have. So what was, you know, what, what, what mattered thousands of years ago? That doesn't really matter. Not in our day and age. It's the deadly game, you know. The deceiver has been playing with humankind ever since it worked so well with our genetic ancestors. This game, did God really say? And he does it in your life, and don't, don't deny it. Because that's when we get in trouble. It's when we start thinking, well, I know that the Bible or that the Word of God says, but did it really mean or say what I I wanted to say? See what I'm saying? And by the way, the deception was pointed out and how it developed through Eve and, and consequently Adam when she made these statements. The fruit is good for food. Hey, it's food. Come on, it's just food. The fruit is pleasing to the eye. 
The fruit is a step to maturing in wisdom, and the fruit is a shareable. And I can share this with my husband. The human race deceived takes the sacred away from the, from the gift. And this is what he does with our sexuality. When we separate the spiritual from the gift of the physical, from the gift of the emotional, from the, it always brings brokenness and grief in every way, in every way, whether it's that issue or any other issue that you're tempted to. I think, though, the world's coming around to this a little bit because of the real confusion that exists. I mean, at least we're seeing some glimpse that some in the world are figuring this out. So there's an article from Time Magazine that came out about a year ago. The title of the article is, Why There's No Such Thing as Casual Sex. And the, the, there's a columnist from the Washington Post. Her name's Christine Emba. She wrote a book about this. The book is Rethinking Sex. And she says some things like this. She says, sex is not inherently casual. It's not just a physical interaction, even if we try to internalize the modern assumption that it's like any other social activity. It's just another activity. She urges that sex involves the spirit as well as the body. So there, I don't know, is she like, is she going to get AI'd with the Bible? Because she's just like saying what the Bible says. I don't know. She believes that thinking about sex and our sexual partners casually and commoditizing them on dating apps has created a bleak, romantic landscape. And here's what she writes. Too many people are having the kind of sex that saps the spirit and makes us feel less human, not more so. It leaves us detached, disillusioned, and dissatisfied. And then she just simply has said what the Bible's been saying for thousands of years. Now, I want to remind you again about something that I said in certain ways last week, what we're not here at Third City. We're, we're not the good people trying to tell the bad people how to live their lives. That's not our goal. We, as a matter of fact, the New Testament tells us not to live our lives that way. We're not supposed to just be judging on the world. We're supposed to judge ourselves. That's what it says. So, so I want to make that clear. You know, we're not the sin police that hold up our gospel badge and say, gotcha. That's not who we are. Here's who we are. We are a bunch of people who have put our lives and trust into the only truly good person who ever lived. Okay? His name is Jesus. We are inviting everyone we can to come find him. But I'm going to meddle because we have brokenness. We have brokenness in this room, we have brokenness in our community, we are broken in our culture. And we're not going to be the only ones not talking about this because I think we have a message. And we have a manufacturer's warning label. And here's one of the things our warning label says. This is in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. It is, it is God's will that you should be sanctified. You should avoid sexual immorality. That each of you should learn to control your own body in a way that is holy and honorable, not in passionate lust like the pagans, who do not know God, 
and that in this matter no one should wrong or take advantage of a brother or sister. The Lord will punish all those who commit such sins as we told you and warned you, warning label, before. For God did not cause us to be impure, but to live a holy life. Therefore, anyone who rejects this instruction does not reject a human being. It's not just about against human beings that this is a rejection. It's a rejection of God, the very God who gives you the Holy Spirit. Some things stand out there for me at least. It is God's will that we be sanctified. That means that we continue to grow in our life to become more and more like he designed us to be. That's what sanctification is. It's a process. It's not a moment. It's a process. And that means that we should avoid sexual immorality. And the scripture in many areas identify what that is. And it includes many types of things. And that means that we should learn, learn, that's the word, learn to control our own body. You're going to have urges. You're going to be tempted. The deceiver's still playing the same old game. God's creative genius for us is still true. The challenge is for us to learn to control our urges. Now, here are the questions I can ask if I'm struggling. The first question is, if I do this, if I'm involved with this action, is it holy? Meaning, will it engage, when it engaging in this, will it represent the one who created me in a good way? Is it honorable? Meaning, will this activity bring honor to God when it's, when it's found out that I'm engaging in this activity? Is it pure? Pure simply means, it means not driven by passionate lust. Because that's what the pagans do with that gift. And is it considerate of my brother or sister? That means, am I thinking about others or just myself in this topic, in this action? It would, by, by satisfying this need or this want, am I engaging with the consideration of others? Now back to the phrase sexual immorality. That is a catch-all phrase that applies to anything that falls outside of God's framework for sex, which is clearly defined in Genesis 2, and Jesus reiterated himself. Okay? And so maybe you're thinking, well, why don't you be more specific? This is a, this is a series on, on clarity, isn't it? It is. So what could be on that list? I'm going to say some things. Maybe I, I don't know if I'm going to get them all, but I'm going to say some things. Selfishness in the marital bed. That's, that's a breach of that, of that gift. When my demands toward my spouse are driven by my own needs with little concern for hers. Sexual self-gratification. Sexual intercourse before marriage. A breach of God's gift. Same-sex sexual involvement. Going beyond friendship to sexual activity with a person of my gender. Polygamy, that's sexual involvement with a person that has more than one spouse. Adultery, adultery is sexual involvement with a person while at the same time being married to another. Bestiality, 
sexual actions with animals. Pornography, sexual acts with human beings who are animated on screens, magazine, books, and novels, and other images. And it's usually someone who's a victim of the sex trade, by the way. You need to take that into account as well. Objectophilia. And now some of you are going, whew, at least I'm not part of that thing. I don't even know what that is. I don't, I'm not envying our Spanish interpreter on that. I don't even know what they're going to do with it. But anyway, sexual acts with objects, inanimate objects, and they exist. You probably know that. And, then, and even then, like, you might be thinking, oh, thank goodness. Like, I, I, don't, I don't think I've failed in any of those areas. You're amazing. But, but I want you to hear something from Jesus. Here's what he says about this topic. He says, even if you look at another person with lust in your heart, you have committed adultery. So let's be crystal clear and brutally honest. And that comes with my fourth proposition on this topic this is not an us versus them discussion. This is just us, and we're all involved. In fact, I'm going to encourage everyone at our campus in Broken Bow, if you're in Grand Island, I want you to do something with me for the sake of honesty. And you're not going to want to do this, I'm telling you right now, but I think it's important for us to understand that, like, like I listed all those things, or like nine things, and I also included the lust of the eyes that Jesus said. Okay, if you have ever fall into any of those temptations, and I'm going to be the first one. Raise your hand right now. I want to see your hand. Oh, man, there's a lot of liars in this room right now. I tell you, lying's a sin, too. You've got to confess that. Because I know it's an issue. It has been at least at some point in your life, okay? Now, here's the reason I bring that up. Because there seems to be a lot of finger-pointing on this issue, and that's called hypocrisy. And here's how it sounds. Well, maybe I've lusted on occasion, but at least I'm not having sex outside of marriage. Well, yeah, I might have had an affair in my life, but at least I'm not engaging with people of the same gender or sex. Well, sure, I, I, I might have gone to a website, or I might read romance novels for self-gratification, but at least I didn't divorce my spouse. See, let me say it again. We are a bunch of sinners who have been saved by the only person who never sinned. And when Jesus saved us, he didn't do it just to wash away our sins. He did it also to restore us as image bearers in this life. Some of you came here for the very first time today, and you're like, man, what did I run into? I thought I was coming to a Memorial Weekend church service where they're going to sing a few songs and you know, do some happy talk about Jesus and some uplifting message that I can take and, you know, feel better about myself. Well, we do that here a lot. But this is a tough topic. And you might be fully involved in something I've brought to the fore today. You know, I don't, some of you are probably buried in concern about a family member who's really struggling in, in some area that that we mentioned here today. And you love them, but you just don't know how to talk to them. I mean, I'm going to a family gathering tomorrow, and I know, I know that there are going to be some challenges with relationships I face there because I know that I have people I love dearly that struggle in some areas. I, I want you to know I am grateful that you are here. 
that you patiently listened. I'm humbled by your willingness to, to see what God has to say for you in your life. I make you a promise. You come here. Where the Bible speaks, we'll speak. Where the Bible is silent, we'll try to keep our mouth shut. We'll always keep the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. And whatever we say, whatever we do, we'll, we'll make this attempt, and it's an attempt that is a day-in, day-out challenge for all of us, and that is to put the name of Jesus before all things. Lord, as we commune today, I pray that we'll be able to see clearly your love and design for us, be honest about where we're weak, where we're failing. Trust that you're working, that you are working to our good, for our benefit, to your glory. And we have a cross and a resurrection to remind us that that's all true. And we have a Jesus who never gives up on us. Thank you. Amen. Well, I, what I hope you'll leave here with today is an understanding that that God is really, really for you. I mean, he, he has you. Uh, there's no ifs, ands, or buts about his design of your life and how much he loves you, how he made you. You know, the psalmist makes this statement that you are fearfully and wonderfully made. That's the way he describes you in your creation. There's something that Jesus shows us that I want to leave you with. It's really important, I think. You know, Jesus had many encounters with people who were struggling with their human sexuality. Several that are listed in the scriptures. And uh, he called them to their truer selves in every situation. He called them to their truer self, their, the image bearer self. As a matter of fact, when people tried to judge them, he, he judged them in return. What he did with people who were struggling with whatever sin it is in their life, but especially this one, he'd say things like, go and sin no more. I mean, be free from that. Be released. But it's also important to note that he never shamed them, he never scolded them, he never rejected them, he never cast them out, and he, neither will we. We won't either. He came to love us by raising us to new life. He came to redeem us from what it is that we become because we believe the deception to the truer self that he made us for. He can and will give you a life that's free from shame and from rejection and from the despair that, that the breach of his word creates in, in your life. I believe Jesus can change your relationships. I believe Jesus can change your brokenness. I believe he can transform you into a new person. If I didn't believe that, I would not be here. I would not be here. Day after day, I struggle with the image he created me for in, in more than one area. I just mentioned one at the beginning of this message. But I'm confident that God will walk with you as you line up your life with his dream for your sexuality. And I think he gave you a perfect prayer to pray on this topic.
You know what it is? It's the one he prayed right before he went to the cross for us. Father, not your will, not my will, but your will be done. Not my will, but yours. Thanks for listening to the Third City Christian Church Podcast. Please join us for one of our worship services at 9, 10, 15, or 11.30 a.m. in Grand Island and at 10, 15 a.m. in Broken Bow on Facebook Live and at thirdcityc.online.church each Sunday. For more information about Third City Christian Church, send email to podcast at thirdcityc.org. Call us at 308-384-5038 or visit us online at thirdcityc.org.